Well, good morning. I am Trisha Kegler, and I feel like I just blinked because I was sitting where you were sitting like this long ago. Um, they grow up way, way fast, and the years and the days, it seems so, so long. You're actually going to kind of look back and long for a little bit, which I know that sounds crazy, but it's true, and it really does happen. This is my wonderful other half. Yeah, what do you want? Just say hi. <laughs> hey, thank We are glad to be here. It's going to be really fun. They won't ring us up for that oh, tape. Okay, yeah. great. Perfect. It's a black thing. I, I do want to just kind of clarify um, what I'm doing on staff, and that is my new title uh, as of about the last year is Family Ministry Director. And let me just tell you what that is. My whole job now at Watermark is to partner with parents in raising next, the next generation of courageous Christian leaders. That's my job. And so the folks that are doing uh, building blocks right here have been ahead, have been doing this even before we put a title on that. So what we're trying to do is just to equip parents to raise godly Christian leaders and courageous Christian leaders. Because I think two things are going to happen. Our society is, and I'm not a doomsday guy, but is on a downhill slide. I think we would all just raise our hands and say that that's true. And so God's either going to use our kids to bring about a revival in our country, or we're going to have to have kids that are going to absolutely be willing to stand up and be strong in the midst of a culture that's going to, to some degree, persecute what it means to be a Christ follower. And so that is one of the things that really drives me is that we have got to raise a generation of kids. We're losing, not at Watermark, thank goodness, but we're losing 80% of our Christian kids after the age of 18. 80% of our kids are walking away from the faith. And so we look back and we say, hey, something's broken about the way that we have been doing things. And so my whole job now is to lead our church in, okay, it doesn't make sense for us to pour all our money and resources into the 52 hours that we have every Sunday with your children. It makes a ton of sense to pour people and resources into the 3,000 hours that you have with your kids every year. Okay, and so that's really my job is to get us to change the way we're thinking about discipling kids. And what we're talking about today is a great first step. So, yeah, lay that foundation. Um, well, today's talk, Kyle and I call a perspective on discipline because, guys, this is just our perspective. It is not the law. It is not the way. There are we've done this parenting thing long enough to know there are a lot of ways to raise great kids. So, I hope that you can find a nugget or two that is applicable for you and that will help you and your parenting, but please know there's not one way to do it. And what we're talking about today is not the only way. So keep that in mind. And I also ask you to keep in mind that if you have some special family circumstances going on, whether it's, um, you know, you're caring for an elderly parent or a special needs child or whatever, that you would take our words and run them through the filter that's appropriate for your family because we'd be giving disclaimers every other sentence if we tried to do it from up front. So do you know that that's our heart as well. Um, before I go too far, every face in this room is a blur because I just lost my glasses. <laughs> I had them sitting at a table. If you found a pair of brown glasses, I really need them to drive home, so I would love to have those. But if I can, don't know who you are, it's because I really can't see you right now. <laughs> so I just don't take that personal. All right. A couple things about the Kegglers. We have three girls, and they're actually, I'll believe it or not, as tall as I am now. wonder where they got those jeans from. 
Um, my oldest child, Kaylee, is 14, and we call her the achiever because truly she is a work hard, determined girl who just, without any encouragement for us, just naturally strives for excellence. That's just how she came out of the womb. Kelsey, on the other hand, is all friends, all social, and but you know what? She's also very much a servant and has got a kind and extremely loving heart. So that's Kel. She's also 14. Kendall is 12, but she is your typical baby of the family, you guys. She is all fun all the time. And if it doesn't register in the fun meter, she kind of looks at you like she doesn't really know how to compute what's just going on, especially if it involves work and responsibility and all that. That's a whole stretch for her. So anyway, um, that's a little bit about you're going to hear a lot of stories about them. They're great girls, but they've had their moments. And you're going to get to hear a little bit about their moments today as well. And when we were asked to come today, this is a lot of what I talked to this group about not that long. How many of y'all heard my spiel before, the discipline talk? <laughs> okay, well, let's, for those of you who have, I'll give you a little bit of an apology that it's a lot of the same material, but not quite, because we have the wonderful benefit of Dad's side of the story and Dad's perspective, where Kyle's going to be jumping in a lot, and um, this man who was such a great help and support during those years, on the times that I thought I was going to throw them in the trash and get rid of them, he was the one who kind of talked me off the wall and helped me through them, so... Anyway, okay, I also have another question for you. How many of you have children that are, say, one and a half or younger? Look at those hands. Okay. If your eldest is one and a half or younger, you're the one sitting there thinking, my child is never going to. All right, with those of you who have kids over the one and a half, tell them. They are going to do things you would never dream that your sweet little dumpling would come up with. They, they will. It's just kind of part of, of the process. So anyway, as we take a look today, um, I want you to remember that parenting is a great, rewarding job. But folks, it's hard. I mean, I come back to this verse regularly. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. And boy, aren't there days that it's tempted to grow weary and maybe lose a little heart? Come back to it. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It helps you get through it. Um, we're going to go at a pretty good clip today because we have lots to chat about. So th- we actually gave you on a fill-in-the-blank outline. If you want to use it, great, but that's kind of where we're, we're heading in that particular direction. So um, today, if we are going to make any progress in our parenting, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor and kind of remove any blinders you even suspect you might have. And what I mean by that is there are times that we're just so close to the situation we can't see it clearly. Is there any chance that maybe you make excuses for your child's behavior? You know, little so-and-so's been teething for, you know, 10 months straight now. Or, you know, oh, they just haven't had a nap today. Or, you know, because things do happen. But if it's regularly happening, yeah. And I also encourage you, don't be the parent who rescues your children so quick that they don't get to learn from their bad choice. Even little kids make bad decisions and it's great to let them learn from their mistakes, you know, as long as it's not life-threatening or something. So with that in mind, let's take a fresh look today. In order for you to give anything to your kids, you have to do what I call the reverse mentality. You've got to take care of mama and daddy. 
Because what I mean by that, by nature, we do everything for our kids first and we're second. I make all their dental appointments and maybe I get to mine. You know, that type of thing. I'm going to encourage you to reverse that for just a tiny little bit and ask yourself, do you get enough sleep? Now, those of you newborns, you can just laugh. I expect you to. But if, you know, this is your regular habit, I can't say for you guys, but for Trisha, I am not a good parent when I'm tired. I'm short, I'm grumpy, and I'm sure not training their hearts the way I want to. I'm just kind of surviving. Get more sleep if you can. Do you need to cut back on your family's schedule? Are you so social or in so many activities that your child's just on the go, on the go, on the go, on the go? Guys, these are precious years. You're going to go back and you are going to yearn for these years when you have time at home with your little ones. Because we can hardly keep up with ours nowadays. They're here and gone and trust me. it's And plus, I, again, I'm kind of a grumpy parent when I'm go, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. Do you feed your spirit with God's word? And guys, it may not be your hour and a half quiet time that you just long for, but you know what? You've got to get something in. And Kyle's going to talk more about this, but I need the hope that's in that, those pages. I need the encouragement. I need those promises. And guys, I need the truth that's there, because how am I going to give my kids this truth if it's not hidden in my own heart? So do you have someone to talk to? And I say this, gentlemen there in this room are going to love me for this, but girls like to talk. We need to talk. That's how we process and enjoy life. And honey, if your husband's the only one you're talking to, you are going to wear that man out. And that is not a good thing. So be deliberate. And I tell you that because it, this stage of life can be very isolatory. Initiate. I guarantee you there's someone in this room, maybe even at your table, who would love you to say, hey, let's have a play date. Let's go take the kids to Chick-fil-A for lunch. Let's go to the train park or whatever. But initiate because they're dying to get out of the house too. And what I think is the creme de la creme, do you occasionally take breaks away from your kids? And when I say this, I actually mean leaving them at home with dad. You will be a better mom if you've had a little break. And, oh, you're going to come back to a very appreciative house. They're going to love Dad and the kids both are going to be so happy to see you and think you're just wonderful. So I encourage you to see, are there any of these you need to add or subtract maybe from your schedule? So, Kyle? Yeah, and I would add to uh, I would add to that one right there, especially for the dads and uh, moms. I'm going to give you a list uh, before we're done here of because some of the dads aren't here, but a list of hill, dads' hills to die on. Okay, the things that have got to happen at home as they're involved in that. But for dads, one of the things that you've got to do is you've got to make sure that your wife is getting time away from the kids. So I don't remember Trish. Was it week one or week two? Our first week. The twins are seven days old. After the twins, I just said we're going on a date. Okay, and so we, now we had family in town, all that kind of stuff that we trusted, all that kind of stuff. But we just said we're going out, and we went on a little twenty-five or thirty-minute. Hey, let's just get out of the house. We went driving, drive around, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, but I had just had a C-section and a normal delivery. <laughs> I could barely walk. She had the birth buffet. She had one of each when we had the twins. <laughs> but we went on our little drive. And then at six months, she was breastfeeding, and we went to Florida for four or five days. And so we just disappeared with twins at home and stuff like that. So just to the dads and ladies, tell your dads, it's not, hey, I'm not telling you this like you're trying to make it happen. But, hey, one of the things they talked about today at Building Blocks was 
that dad, dads need to initiate that time with their uh, with their wives away from the kids. So a couple of the things that you've got. Here's the thing that I really one of the things I really wanted to communicate today is this is a, I agree with Trish a hard season of life. Okay, with small kids, especially for moms who are doing 70, 75 percent of the work on this. But folks, we cannot give this season away. Okay, you are a Christian first and a parent second. Okay? And so God has a ton to teach you in the midst of your parenting, and it's not about your parenting. It's about you being conformed to the image of Christ. Okay, and when we look at this season like that, all of a sudden when hard things are happening around our house and there's trials and troubles and things, all of a sudden if our perspective is, hey, God's trying to teach me something here. Folks, I can't think of a better place in the world to learn how to serve than in a house with small kids. Folks, it is a great place to learn, and that's hard. But do not give the season away. Do not leave your Bible on the table for weeks and months at a time. Okay, spend time with Christ. Okay, spend time in prayer, journal, continue to do all those things that you've done, and don't use the fact that I'm a parent of small children as an excuse. Okay, look, give yourself grace because it's hard and it's going to change. It's going to look different maybe than it's ever looked before, but we are Christians first and parents second. So I don't want to give, I don't want us to give the season away. Because just like Trisha said, a healthy heart, a healthy you is what's going to help you raise godly kids. So that's the first one. Second one is this. Communicate and team up with your spouse. Okay? Now here's the deal. You're going to see this nice presentation with paper in front of you. It's all really clean and neat. And it's going to look like Trisha and I are on the same page on everything. Bull. Okay? It's just not that clean and neat. Trisha and I are very different in some ways. Okay? I am a play first, work later dad. Okay? Trisha is a work first, then you play. Okay? And Which so is the we, right way. Do what? What did you say? It's the right way. Yeah, that's exactly what she says all the time when we talk about it. I'm like, don't let school get in the way of your child's education. Okay? That's my motto. Okay? And she is a school, in class, every day, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so we have to work through these things and talk through these things. I am a, hey, my motto, hey, everything's going to work out. Okay? God's in control. Everything's going to work out. She's much more structured. Hey, we've got to take these steps, get this done, so that all that stuff will work out. So just so you know, we are not on the same page. It takes a partnership, teamwork, sacrifice. I'm like, if Kendall's got a late soccer game, okay, like at 8.30, I'm like, let's let her sleep in and miss the first half day of school. And Trisha's like, I don't think so. You know, and so we just kind of have those conversations all the time. So it's not near as neat and clean as it looks on paper or up here. So it's really, really important for you and your spouse to be on the same page about what you're communicating. And that's hard. You've got Uh to work at that. A unified front. Yep. You want to do your hit list? Yeah. So let me do this. So for the dads that are here, on the very back page, I didn't work this into the right place in the outline, but I'm going to give you the four hills that I think dads need to die on. Okay? And what those are is, number one, at your house, and this starts at a really early age, the truth matters. Okay? And you have got to be um, the truth police at your house. Okay, so you model that, and then anytime your kids start to tell stories, start to exaggerate, start to bend the truth just a little, that has got to be a big deal around your house from early on because it sets the stage the rest of the way. So as you talk to your husbands, for the dads that are here, just 
man, if when we talk about discipline and stuff like that, that was one that we just did not let go mm-hmm. ever. Not an Okay, was truth, telling the truth. The second one, okay, is another hill to die on, is respect mom. Okay, kids all the time respect mom. So I will tell you, Kendall is 12 right now, and about a year ago, year maybe less, maybe a year less. ago, and we've we've gone through this, but this is really important. So we're sitting at the table, and Trish is talking about something at the table, and Kendall. So Trish is over there sitting right next to Kendall, so Trish can't see her face, and Kendall just kind of goes, whatever, you know, kind of deal right there, and I kind of read the lips, and Trisha didn't see it. Okay, and I, right there, okay, I said, Kendall, meet me in the back. Okay, and so we stood up and we went right to the back and we had a conversation that we've had 35 times before. Okay, that is, you never in any way disrespect your mom. Even if she's wrong, you do what she says and we come back and we talk about it later. Okay, and so Trish will talk about in her presentation a little bit how now we let our kids come back and say, hey, a second request, can I understand why, all that kind of stuff is one of the things that we do. So we do that. But, I mean, dads, tell your husbands, man, respect your mom is everything because they are there 75% of the time with those kids, and it matters big time. And, you know, if it came from me, it wouldn't carry near the weight as it did as it comes from dad. So, dad, you're super, super valuable there. And then another one is, dads, you have got to pray. And I just tell them, that is your job. It's everybody's job. Right, but dads need to pray for their kids and really do battle. You know, Todd, when we did the Ephesians, some of the Ephesians stuff last month, it's just that we're in a war, right? And I'll talk a little bit later as we kind of go through just kind of what that looks like and how to pray for your kids and all that kind of stuff. But, man, dad needs to lead the way on the prayer at home and also just on his own as he's praying for his family and stuff like that. And then the last thing is the, the blank that you have, that you've got to partner with your spouse. You have got to be committed in this whole discipline deal to being on the same team with your spouse. And same team doesn't mean you both think alike. Trisha and I do not think alike all the time on discipline, okay? But we have to work. So I'll say, hey, I think that is too too hard for this particular thing that one of our kids has done. And I, I said, I don't think we ought to do that. And she goes, well, here's why I think we ought to do that. And I said, I still think that's too tough. Here's how I And so we spend time thinking through those conversations so that when we go and establish the discipline, we are completely on the same page. So it's really, really important. Okay. Can I brag on you for just a second? (laughs) There was a season when Kaylee, that's my oldest girl, I don't know if she was five or seven, somewhere in there, but she kind of started pulling away from us. This is a child who liked to snuggle in bed, always wanted to sit on your lap, and she kind of was shutting down. We weren't getting many words from her. She was distancing herself from us. And, you know, Kyle and I didn't know what caused it, why it was going on. And you know what happened? He started praying. And he prayed for her diligently, much more so even than I did. And kind of about a month or two later, she just, with no really rhyme or reason, kind of came back to us and started interacting and laughing and being her normal part of the self. And I'm like, what happened? What's going on? I'm so excited. He goes, well, duh. He goes, I've been praying. You know, and you know what? We have nothing else that we can attribute it to as far as we know other than this man was so, so faithful to pray for her and her heart. And anyway, really, it made a huge difference. So... All right, I'm coming back on page one. Every here and there, I get phone calls from moms 
that have preschoolers and they're saying, how can I get my child to, and you know, fill in the blank with whatever goal. And I found that in the course of those conversations, usually what they are wanting is not so much give me a step-by-step, but it's a refocus me. What should I even be expecting from my children? And so I feel like before we can go any further, you and I kind of need to agree on what do you need to expect. I will tell you more than anything else, you can't have it all. Folks, you're going to have to choose your battles. I love Colossians 3.21. Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. Now, when my twins were one, two little one-year-old girls, we had someone give us a family portrait session. I put these cute little denim hats on them. What does the one-year-old girl do with that little denim hat? Exactly. And it was miserable. I mean, they were in tears and we were all frustrated. I'm surprised the picture wasn't, you know, just all grumpy. Um, But literally a month later, I went to Colorado and I saw a girl, same age as my twins, and that little pumpkin had a hat on every time I saw her. She was bald as a billiard on the mountaintop. She needed a hat, you know. But I kind of went in awe and I went up to her mom and I was like, how did you do that? What did you do? What's your secret? And I will never forget her words because it has changed my parenting life. She just very calmly looked at me in the eye and said, It was a hill I was willing to die on. (laughs) And that is the heart of what I'm wanting to tell you right here, right now. You've got to decide what hills you're going to die on. And for me, one of my hills, and this doesn't mean it needs to be yours, but one of my hills was eating. I want my kids to be good eaters. I wasn't going to do that picky, cut the bread and the apple skins and all that. And That's not right or wrong, but it's just that was my preference. That was going to be a hill I was going to die on. Um, and I thought, well, what other hills should I be willing to die on? And this is the one time I will tell you. God's Word says. Because I I thought, what does the Bible say we should expect from our kids? And I found verse after verse after verse that said, they should respect you and they should treat you with honor. Those were non-negotiables. And so guys, those are two hills that the Keglers are willing to die on. You're going to respect your parents and you're going to honor your parents. Leviticus 19.3 It says, each of you must respect his mother and father, and you must obey my Sabbath. Matthew 15, 4. (laughs) Jesus was actually quoted, and he said, and God said, honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father and mother, let him be put to death. That's a little strong, but you know what? It does tell me how important the standards. And I could probably give you about ten other verses for each one. It's just everywhere in the scriptures. So that should tell us something. Mom and dad need to be respected and honored. And, you know, at first a young one's not going to get the idea of honoring your parent. But you can train them as you go. Things like if they maybe act up for the babysitter. You can say, you know, you did not honor mom and dad by the way you acted for Miss Babysitter Girl. You know, and the same thing when they do something really good, like you say, you so honored me by the way you waited so patiently for me to finish my conversation. Or I mean, pick whatever, but teach them with your words. You honored me. This didn't honor us so much. And let them know that that's an important standard for your children. Um, I will also tell you that somewhere in there, our generation has gotten to where we almost bow down and worship and obey our kids. And here's what I mean. Little Susie doesn't want to eat her green beans. She wants something else instead. Well, well, what can I make for you? 
I mean, and there's some moms, and I'm not exaggerating, they make four different meals at dinner. One for each child because they want this, this, and this. And so they ask for something, and we are this quick to go jump up and do it for them. Come on, guys. We want to give our kids good things, and I believe in that. But they are not the ones to be respected. They are not the ones to be honored. Love them. Enjoy them. But don't take commands from them. Don't obey them. You got the tables turned. Um, I will also tell you that each one of us has what I call an I mean it line. And your kids are smart. They know where your I mean it line is. Classic situation. Let's say I've got little Kindle and I have left, um, I don't know, maybe the remote to the TV on the coffee table where my little toddler can reach it. And I'm talking to my friend Susie. Hey, Susie, what's going on? And I notice Kendall's got that remote. Hey, hang on a second. Kendall, put that down, babe. And we're talking and going on. And, you know, I kind of glance over and notice she's still playing with it. Hey, hang on. Kendall, mom says, put that down. And I go back. Yeah, let's schedule our la, la, la. We're talking. She hadn't put it down yet. And so I kind of am getting a little frustrated at this point. Kendall, put that down. Yeah. And I'm going on thinking I'm doing my job and I'm chatting it up and busy probably doing four other things at the same time. And I look over there. Kendall, put that down now. You know, I'm getting kind of escalating a little bit here. Susie, you know, we're talking and I realize this is going nowhere. I'm just going to need to call you back. I hang up the phone. Kendall, I said to put it down. She puts it down. Why? She just saw my I mean it line. And I don't know if you were counting, but it was the fifth time I asked her to put it down. By then, I'm frustrated. By then, my tone's uglier. By then, we're going south. Guys, why not make your I mean it line the first time you ask your children to do something? It'll make you all a whole lot happier. First time obedience. It's a hard goal, but it is a worthy goal. All right, flipping over here. All right, now that we've talked about what to expect, we need to talk about how do we go about seeing some of these things come into play. And I have found I can fly by the seat of my pants in a lot of areas of my life, but parenting is not one of them. If I am simply reacting to situations, I am in trouble. I have got to be proactive, and I've got to think it through before trouble starts happening. Um, I will tell you this. Classic example. I took my twins. It's not one of our finer moments. <laughs> they're little. They're maybe like 14 months old. We go to the little train park with our shovels, and we're playing in the rocks, and it's the playground. And it, I said, come on, girls. It's time to go. Well, not only did they not obey me, they ran. And with twins, they run in two different directions. <laughs> so by the time I got them in the car and we're kicking and screaming and we couldn't be madder, I remember this moment so clearly in my brain. They're strapped in their car seats. I'm gripping the steering wheel of the car, and I just closed my eyes. And I was like, this will not happen again. That's all I remember thinking is, this will not happen again. And so... Think for, in my next example of what I'm going to talk to you about, think of some rough spot or some hill that you want to get over with your child. I've seen people use it, well, I'll tell you that in a minute, but in this particular case, it was, okay, I want my kids to know how to leave the park the right way. And so I've got to have a plan for that, and they have to have a clearly defined goal. And with that, guys, don't use broad terms like, I want you to leave the park nicely. 
Uh uh-uh. You've got to be specific in there. Very, very specific. I would have to tell my girls, when I say I want you to leave the park, it's time to go, that I expected, yes, ma'am. I expected them to empty their pebbles and gather up their shovels. If it's appropriate, say bye to a friend or two. I want them to grab my hand and very nicely walk to the car without a bunch of griping and crying and complaining. That was my goal. Do you see how specific and clear that goal was? All right, once you have your goal, you need to make sure that it is age appropriate. Don't ask a one-year-old to do something that, you know, maybe a four-year-old is capable of. But you've got to be fair to your kids. Communicate that goal to them. And what is even better is communicate that goal on the front side of the event before trouble happens so they know what you expect. It's also a great time to tell them why you expect that behavior. Really good time to use scripture. Um, like one of the times when we were dealing with hitting First Thessalonians 5.5, 5, I was like, we don't return evil for evil. You know, just I kind of simplified the verse a little bit so they'd get the idea of this is why you don't hit your brother when he does something to you. You know, that's, that's the main idea. Communicate it to him. But I have to tell you this. Of all the little nuggets I'm going to throw out here today, I've got two biggies that are just, they changed my world. <laughs> the next thing I'm going to tell you is the first biggie. It's called role play. Give your children a chance to practice that behavior. Give them a chance to practice leaving the park. The regular use of role play can help you get over one of those hills. So literally, you know what we did that next day when, you know, my hands were no longer shaking on the wheel? We went in their room and we got out the dominoes and their shovels and pails and we kind of simulated the park. And literally I communicated, here's how I want you to leave the park. I let them practice doing it. And they actually, believe it or not, thought it was kind of fun to leave the park in their room. And at the end, I got the chance to just love on them and praise them. Way to go. I'm so proud of you. And guys, they had done it multiple times. So the next time we went to the park, they had done it. They, there's a big difference between the level of learning just from hearing and the level of learning you achieve by doing. And so my kids knew it. They got it. We didn't have trouble leaving the park after that. I've seen people use this for a child who didn't want to get out of the bathtub, a child that didn't want to go into Sunday school. I mean, you can kind of pick your, your hill or your battle, but role playing is a great, great tool for that. So it's great. Um, I want to talk about just how do we train uh, a child's heart a little bit versus how do we conform their behavior. So first of all, I know that when kids are young, okay, behavior helps modify the heart. Okay, so you've got the boundaries in place and eventually the heart is going to catch up with those boundaries. But there's some things we can start doing at an early age that helps the heart uh, engage, and I want to talk about that for just a second. So the first thing is, I would love for you and your husband to have a vision for your child. Okay, and if it's to be the next Mia Ham, okay, that's a problem. Okay, if it's to be the next millionaire, that's a problem. Now look, I would love for Kendall to be a great soccer player and get to do all that kind of stuff. That would be great, and that would be a great dream that I have for her. Okay, but that is not my vision for her life. Okay, my vision for her life is that she would walk well with Jesus Christ all the days of her life. One of the things that I'll mention when we talk about the prayer a little bit, one of the things I've started praying for my girls every day is that, would you, God, would you bring into their lives whatever is going to make their eternity great? 
what is it that's got to happen in my kids' lives that's going to make their eternity great? And you know what? That may be some hard things, okay, to make their eternity great. But I said, hey, God, they're yours. And so bring that into their life. So have a vision. What is that? And it, it, I can tell you what it is. It's something around the fact that they need to walk well with Jesus. However you want to say that, I'm great with. But have that vision and then be intentional about implementing that vision. You have got to have a plan. And Leanne, I don't know if that chart slide is next. Is that? No, it's two more. You want me to get two of those? Yeah, would you just slide the church? Would you slide two? There we go. Yeah. Okay. Deuteronomy 6. How many of y'all were at training day, training camp that we did for parents? few of y'all were here. Okay, good. All right, so here is a structure or a strategy for how you implement a vision for who you want your kids to be, okay? This is basically Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, put in a today 2009 chart form, okay? So in Deuteronomy 6, it says, Obey these commands of God. Talk about them when you are on the road, when you go down at night, when you wake up in the morning, um... And there's one more that I can't remember off the top of my head. So we just took this, copied this from somebody else, this is an original, okay, and just said, okay, how do we translate that to 2009? And so here it is. How do you do family times, okay? And so you think mealtime has got time for a formal discussion. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. Do not spend 15 minutes getting ready for that formal discussion. You don't have it. Okay. They don't want it. <laughs> but then spend 30 seconds thinking about what can I talk about with my kids okay, that can, I can teach them that helps establish the values that we have in our home. Okay, Drive time, it says in the scripture, it talks about when you are on the road. Okay, Folks, in our society, we are on the road a ton. Okay, It's just not on feet. Okay, It's in a car. So take advantage of those drive times to be your friend. Help them interpret what's going on in the, on the world around. It takes no prep. Okay, none. It's just about being intentional. Okay, is all it is. Okay, third thing, bedtime. My favorite time uh-huh. with my kids. Okay, it's where you have intimate conversation. I'm their counselor, and the goal is to build intimacy with them. And Kendall and I have been playing the same game every <laughs> night before we go to bed for the last five years. And she loves every it. Night, she still does a blankie, is what she does. And my goal every night is to try and get the blankie. Okay? And she and laughs. We spend 10 or 15 minutes every night just talking about, and it just leads to other conversations and laughing and all that kind of stuff, and it's great. But what's one of the reasons we have a great relationship is because of that time. So build, in, build intimacy. The last thing, morning time when you wake up, hey, my girls now, okay, or the you know, morning time teenagers, you know, all I can do is say, hey, I love you, have a great day. Okay, that's about all that's going on. I mean, they are like zombies. In the morning, okay. But my role then is to just kind of, hey, do you have a test today? I'll pray for you as you have your test, okay? But just to encourage words, hey, do the best you can today, all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I found this about six months ago and shot myself because I didn't have it 15 years ago. I just think it's a great time. Now, we'll talk about some content in a minute for some of that stuff. But if you, look, don't take that, all you type A personalities that have got to have all these blanks filled in that are out there, okay? Don't take that and feel guilty over that. Okay, just use it as a structure. And look, if you have one more conversation at your house than you had last week, terrific. Okay, but it gives you a great plan and a great structure for how to begin to have a vision and to be intentional with your kids and how do you capture 
your God moments. How do you do that? So part of that is you've just got to be intentional about looking around for opportunities to teach your kids. So right right now, you know, we, we're, we're letting our kids watch some of the nighttime dramas. Okay, I don't know if that's good or bad. Okay, but every now and then Kaylee has one that what she likes, Mentalist is the one that she, oh, yeah. she likes right now. But when you're watching some of that stuff, obviously there's some risque parts that come on and all that kind of stuff. And so we just turn the TV off. Okay, we just turn it off for a few minutes. Or change the channel. And or... so you know what's great about that? Because we've had the purity talk with my girls, okay, is they, they know they'll go up and get in front of the TV when some little slick, you know, somebody in bikini or something, they'll just go stand on the TV because they know that's an issue for that. Right? They know that's a problem. And so we talk about modest dress. We talk about, hey, that's not a good thing for dad or guys to look at. And we take advantage of those as teachable moments. Okay, that's one for older kids. They happen all the time for younger kids as well. Okay, so just look. Be intentional, okay, about capturing God moments with your kids. Okay? Um, coming back, I'm back on page two right in the middle there. Um, action number three. This is probably my second biggie. And before I even put it up, I will tell you this. Women especially like to talk. We use words and words and more words with our kids. And eventually, what do our kids do? They tune you out. They learn to ignore your words. Same idea. Folks, use more consequences and fewer words. They're not going to tune out a consequence, nor are they going to forget a consequence. I remember my twins were four or five, and we were walking up the stairs to something, and I remember thinking, they were doing something that was just the way I wanted, like not getting too far ahead of me where a stranger could get them or something, you know, some little goal I had for them. And it dawned on me, oh, well, that's because there was a consequence behind it. And then I started thinking, yeah, almost every really good thing they're doing right now is because there was a consequence behind it. Guys, they're not going to forget a consequence. They learn faster, they learn easier, and it's more meaningful to them if you will cut down on your words and start taking actions. And we'll talk about what some of those actions could be, but this is my biggie number two. I strongly believe it. Um, I will tell you, if you're going to say something to your child, you need to mean it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, that you do not fall under judgment. Kids are smart. They know if you mean it or not. And um, Ecclesiastes 5.5 goes right along the same lines. It's better that you not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Meaning, don't make any idle threats to your children that you can't or won't fulfill. I'm never going to take you to the park again. I'm never going to buy you another toy again. You kind of get the idea. Idle threats. Kids are smart. They know Christmas is coming. I mean, you know, if you're going to say it, mean it. I also encourage you to be consistent. You can laugh here. Um, Because it's so easy to say and so hard to do. I kid you not, my little Kendi was young, 13 or 14 months. This is my baby. We're all out in the front yard playing. There's a ball going, this or that. And this scooter decides she wants to zip out into the street. So, of course, you know, we're grabbing her and steering her and trying to get her going the other direction. Well, it wasn't 30 seconds later that right back to the street again. And so we're correcting and we're getting a little firmer in our tone and I could go on and on. Are you ready to sit down? 18 times in a row she tried to run out in the street. By then I am an emotional 
just basket case. I don't know. We all went inside at that point because the cup was empty. But you know what? The very next day, the Keglers went out into the front yard to go play again. Kendall never, ever tried to run in the street again. It was a hill I was willing to die on. I was consistent. It paid off. I just want to encourage you, consistency really does pay off. And that is also one of those tricks that involves mom and dad talking, that they're getting the same story from him that they're getting from me. And just to clarify, we were disciplining her all along the way. Yeah. Uh, so it was a verbal warning, and then it was but kind of was a young. slap on the hand, and we kind of continued, and she yeah. just kept pushing through all of the boundaries that we yeah. set for her. Fun times. <laughs> All right. I'm going to ask you, do you balance your child's privileges with their capabilities? Because sometimes it's real easy to give a young one privileges that they're not ready to effectively handle. It's kind of also known as a funnel. Some of you may have seen or heard this little example before. But the funnel is like a young toddler. There's very little that they can handle effectively without damaging it, breaking it, misusing it. But you notice that as your child gets older, there's a lot more that they can handle very effectively. Like let's say, for example, that I left um, you know, our portable phone at the house. Let's say I left it out and I was actually allowing my two-year-old to play with that portable phone well sooner or later she's going to drop it throw it break it and who's going to be mad but that was me parenting outside the funnel here who should I have been mad at me because it wasn't her fault I was giving her a privilege that she wasn't ready for now same scenario fast forward to age four or five when she could effectively handle that little portable phone without breaking it then I'm parenting inside the funnel and guys if you have more than one child it is extremely easy to do this with your younger kids you give them privileges sooner and earlier than you did with the first one and next thing you know you're outside the funnel you're frustrated and then it was really your own fault so check yourself on that um We'll see here. I will ask, oh, <laughs> this is the big one. People love to know, should I spank my little darling? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you a couple things. First of all, let me clarify what I mean when I say spank. I am not talking about some action that's done in anger with excessive force. I'm talking about a loving correction with the goal of training in mind. That when I talk about spanking, that's what I mean. I'm not going to sit down and say a firm yes or a firm no. Here's what you should do. But I will tell you a little bit about what Scripture says. Providence 29, Proverbs 29.15 says, The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. I will also have you take a look at Proverbs 13:24. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. I mean, and I could pull out half a dozen others, but there is a scriptural basis for it if you choose to. I will tell you that we found that at a certain age, this was the most effective discipline consequence we could give our kids. Probably from that, say, 15 months to age three ballpark, that spoke their language guys they understood it it was immediate it needed no interpretation they got it 
Whereas sometimes, you know, a timeout is just going to kind of sail over their head. They're going to be sitting there thinking, that's a pretty cool truck sitting over there on this roof. They're not thinking about what they did wrong. I mean, so at a certain age, we found it was super important. Now, I will tell you this, that we first kind of fought over, you're going to have to do the first spanking. No, you're going to have to do the first spanking. And given a few years later, it was like, give me that thing. (laughs) (laughs) There was no fighting that way at that point in time. Um, But I will tell you, if you do choose to spank, I think it matters what you use. Um, I would encourage you not to use anything that's too firm and rigid because you can accidentally impart the kind of, I'll just say, damage that you don't want to do. You you know, hurt them in a way you don't intend to. I also encourage you not to use your hand. And the reason I feel strong about this is because your child should associate your hand with comfort, with love, with positive associations when they think of mom and dad's hand. I highly encourage you to steer away from that. So what do you use, you ask? This is not the only thing around, but guys, this changed my world. Fits in the back pocket. Fits in the purse. Guys, it's flexible, so it doesn't do the kind of damage. Just a little bit of force gives quite a good sting. And anyway, long story short, is it fit in the diaper bag. I could be strolling through Target and just peek this out, and it just got all kinds of good attitude changes when I used it. So, um, and Ginger was talking about this the other day. I'm not sure if you can still order them. They're kind of hard to get. But um, I've got some forms that at least have an email address. Are they out of business? No, they're not. They did change their name and their price. Okay. It is worth every penny. That's all I can say. Ask, okay, see her and to get, because we tried to even Google it last night and couldn't find the right name. So, anyway. Do you have it? I do. Would you get it to the billing box, ladies, and just so they can get that mixture? Yeah, and I was going to say, if you do, get get more than one. Get two or three. It, it was called The Rod, and we're like, we didn't like that name, so we named ours Buster. And so, <laughs> we just did. They, my girls still to this day are like, ooh, Buster. And, so, and you won't have to do it for very long. Now, as your children get older, you'll find that you don't have to use this technique quite as often. There are a lot of alternatives that increase with their age. Number one, let them suffer the consequences of their choice. If they choose to keep throwing that sippy cup off the high chair, guess what? They can do without their drink the rest of their meal. They will get the idea that, oh, yeah, I probably don't want to throw that sippy cup off a high chair. Um, common sense here. Don't let them hurt themselves, run out in the street, hands on the stove, you know, that kind of stuff. But where it's appropriate, even for older toddlers, let them learn from their decisions. And I'm really good about using the word choice with my, ch- my girls. This was the choice you made. You chose to blah, 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 blah. And so let them know that this was their decision, their responsibility, and now it's their consequence that comes with it. A loss of privilege is really an effective tool as they get a little bit older. Because, guys, this is not always such an immediate consequence. That's why we like to spank them when they're a little bit younger. But um, when they are getting a little bit older... Think about what sings their song. Is it watching that TV show? Is it an ice cream date with dad? Is it a trip to the park? I mean, what is just, you know, going to make them oh so happy? And that is the privilege that you can pull. It's especially effective if it has something to do with um, their immediate choice. Um, For example, let's say I had a group of kids playing at my house, and one of my children decided that they didn't want to share their toys real well. Well, I could pull that privilege. I could say, 
you know, Kelsey, you need to go in here in your room and sit on your bed. No books, no toys. Just sit there while everyone else is outside playing. You know, I have pulled that privilege. And I'll, I'll come. It kind of ties in with my next thing I'm going to tell you. But I will actually give her a chance. Are you ready to go share your toys nicely? Give them a second chance. And when they get the, and make the decision to go do something better, then they get to go back out and join the fun. So pull a privilege. Um, redirect them when they're really little bit little bitties. Um, when I steer my girls away from a no-no, I try to almost always steer them toward a yes. Never just leave it with that's a no without trying to provide some kind of option that this is a yes instead. You want them to have a good, positive, you know, alter, alternative behavior. Isolation can be really effective with young ones. Now, for me, this is not what I guess most people think of as a timeout. It's not a let's sit and dwell upon what you did wrong kind of moment. When I say isolation, I mean pull them out of somewhere they want to be and move them somewhere they don't want to be. I did this one a lot when we were trying to train high chair manners, and they kept grabbing the food and putting it in their hair, that kind of thing. And when I was trying to teach them to eat with their hands down, we did a lot of isolate from the crib, I mean isolate from the high chair right in the middle of the meal, take them to the back, isolate them somewhere, and to explain why. You know, we don't eat with our hands and put our food in our hair. We don't do this. Instead, we do this. And I would leave them. I'd step out of the room, and, it, you know, when they're really young, it's, you know, there's crying and tears, and they're a little, you know, upset about it. And it's hard because I wanted to just rush right back in there, but I'm like, I knew I couldn't. I needed to let them feel the isolation for just a little bit to kind of get the impact that, okay, this is what happened. And I'd go back in there after they'd, you know, after I'd given them a minute, and I'd let them know, are you ready to come back in and eat with your hands down now? And, you know, I'd kind of get a sniffly, uh-huh, you know, and, and we'd go in and we'd try it again. I'd give them a second chance. And I didn't have to do that much. Probably with each child, I did it maybe two or three times, and they got the idea that this is a consequence. It's not just my words. It was a consequence. And, again... I hope that's a tool. It works for older kids as well as younger ones. Um, I love Lisa Welchel's book, Creative Correction. It has just chopped full of ideas on all the really positive motivations, like moving the jelly beans from one jar to the other and all those kind of things. That if you love those kind of alternatives, her book is just full of those, more than I have time to say here today. So, um, And I would ask you, if when you are parenting your child, can they tell by the tone of your voice that you mean what you say? And I don't mean being ugly, because I don't advocate that as well. But even our dog knows at our house who means it. We have a, um, is she a border collie? A border collie. And there are two of my daughters, that dog runs all over. She totally dominates them, because they say it, oh, so that's Missy, sit. The dog jumps all over them, you know. Whereas the other three of us were like, Missy, sit, and she sits just perfect. I mean, even the dog knows by your tone whether you mean it or not. So, all right, the positive. Oh, this one I think is wonderful. Do you ever have those days when you're parenting that you feel like you're going, no, 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 negative, negative, negative? I encourage you to spend a lot, if not more, energy on the positive then you do the negative. Catch them doing something right. Catch them doing something you're proud of. And reward them. 
balance your reproofs with a lot of positive reinforcement. Let's say, for example, that um, Kaylee got a new book and she shared it with her younger sister, Kendall. I might kind of just happen to see this happening, you know, not a deliberate thing, just I happen to notice it. And I'll be like, Kaylee, I am so proud of the way you shared that with with Kendall. Here's a little treat. And I I got a lot of miles out of those little chocolate chip morsels. I got a lot of miles out of those. And she's just, you know, can she not wait to do something like that again? And is it contagious? Oh, yeah, sisters want to know, how do I get in on the act? How do I start doing something like that? So I will tell you this. It needs to be sporadic so that your children don't expect it because then it's a bribe. And I don't really advocate bribing when you can avoid it. (laughs) Um, We've we've done bribes from time to time (laughs) as the situation arose. But when you can, try to positively reinforce it spontaneously. Make sure that they, um, they know that you're really catching them doing the right thing. That will give you a lot of mileage. As your children get older and your preschoolers are starting to realize that I learned how to obey the first time and I'm doing what my parents want, you can allow them a privilege that I call the respectful appeal. And all that really means is they're in the middle of doing something and you ask them, hey, I need you to go set the table or whatever you ask them to go do. A respectful appeal would look like, you know, yes, I'll be glad to do that, Mom, or yes, I will, something simple, but Mom, may I finish this first? And that gives me the privilege of saying, sure, I'd love you to go finish, you know, coloring your picture before you set the table. But it also means they have to have the maturity for when I say, no, we're really in a hurry, I need you to do it right now. They've got to be able to handle that side of it as well as the I get my way side of it. Then you know they're ready for that particular privilege. Forgiveness and restoration. What I'm going to talk about here really applies to grown-ups just as well as it does kids. When we blow it, we feel separated from God. We feel ashamed. We don't like that feeling. We want to be forgiven and we want to be restored to a right relationship. And guys, your kids feel that like times ten. When they know mom and dad are mad at them, they want to be restored in that relationship. And I'm going to ask what is given to you that you would give to your kids. First John 1, nine, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's a gift that was given to me. We can give that gift to our kids. Now, I'm going to kind of tell you that... Um, I'm probably going to do this pretty fast. When um, our girls were little, I'm going to tell you how we disciplined them as preschoolers, kind of what the process looked like. And let's say just for fun that, um, you know, Kelsey whacked Kaylee on the head with a book or something. Very typical of that age. What I would do first, I would take them to a private spot. It was never my goal to embarrass them or shame them. I want to train them. And this happens best when it's just their eyes looking at my eyes. So we would go to a private spot. When we got back there, the first thing I would require is you have to tell me what you did wrong. In other words, why are we back here? And you'll be surprised. Sometimes they don't know. (laughs) But most of the time, if you're being fair with your kids, they do know. So they have to kind of own it. And guys, this is taking responsibility for what they did. And for those of you who have sons, your future wife will thank you right now. (laughs) Or his future wife will thank you right now for making them say what they did wrong. Bad joke, sorry. Um, It's also a time when I reiterate what is the moral reason why we don't allow you to hit your sister over the head with a book. 
You know, a great time again to use the scripture. Tell them why that's important. This was a biggie for us. We would discuss the alternatives. What could you have done instead? I could have used my words. I could have gone to go get a grown-up to help me. Whatever your alternative. Be teaching them. Here's what you could have done instead. And at that point, they would probably receive their chastisement from us. But we're not done. A lot of times, kids are very quick to just give you a real cheap, I'm sorry, and just try and head out the room. That would not work for us. We required a three-part apology, starting with part one, I am sorry. Good start. But number two, for, and they have to say what they did wrong, for hitting Kelsey with the book. They've got to own it. And third, extremely important, will you forgive me? And they probably would have to go to sister in this case and ask sister to forgive them. But that sets up the restoration right there. That third part of the apology. And then we spend some time on the reconciliation. We don't just boogie out. We stop and it's like, of course I forgive you. I still love you so much. And I still think you're a good girl. Do you catch that? They're knowing that things are right between us when we're finished. So that was kind of the, the quick and dirty of what we, what we did with our process. Your child will never have a tantrum. Right? And let me just sadly break the news to you guys. Even great kids are going to have a tantrum or two at some point. And I do believe the way you handle it will help minimize how many of these nasty little things you have to deal with. But... If any of you know my daughter Kaylee, and a few of you do, Kaylee is the loudest child ever created. When she's screaming, the walls are reverberating, the neighbors two blocks away can hear it. I mean, it's just awful. Well, Kaylee is, you know, four-ish, and she's having one of her first tantrums, or three, I don't know, over something really important like, I didn't get to wear the pajamas I wanted. And so... Literally, Kaylee's in the back of our house just letting it go with her her first tantrum. And ding dong. Yeah, the doorbell rings. And this little neighbor friend of ours is out walking her dog and stopped over and just wanted to say hi. And as I opened the door, you know, the reverberations coming out. And basically, you know, I said, hi, you're welcome to come in. Love to visit. But, you know, it's going to be a little bit. That girl could not have backed out of my sidewalk and out of my house fast enough. She just went running into the night. And so with Kaylee's, one of her first tantrums, let me tell you a little bit of how to break it apart. First of all, understand what it is. A tantrum from your child is them trying to manipulate you guys. They are trying to get their way or they are trying to be the boss. One of those two things. And think about it. Kids are smart. They know if this works. They know if... I want a cookie instead of my green beans, and I pitch a little fit, and I get a cookie. Guess what I'm going to do the next time I want a cookie? Never, ever let it work for them. Whatever they are wanting to get, if at all within your, your control, do not let them get what they want when they ask for it in such an ugly manner. Because that's really what they're doing. They're asking you for something or telling you, I want this. Don't ever let that work for him. I will tell you that some people say that when a child is throwing a tantrum, you should just ignore them and eventually they'll stop throwing the tantrums. 
not this mama. <laughs> I think that a tantrum is an ugly and awful way for our children to behave. It's not respectful, and heaven knows it tortures every person within you know a half mile radius, and that's not fair to them either. So I would tell you this. In our house, we decided there would be big consequences for tantrums. And when one would occur, first thing is we would do is we would isolate them. Try to move them to a remote spot. One, because I don't want to torture the general public. And two, it's just they got to get it out of their system sometimes. So what we would do, we literally would have to set guidelines and say, you are to sit on your bed with no books and no toys. Just be on your bed. You may not throw anything. You may not destroy anything. Because you're laughing, but we our six-year-old, she went through a season, oh my stars, where she was just letting it go. This is the sweetest, most gentle girl you'd ever want to meet. You know, her head was spinning around. She was so awful. Um, and she was tearing things up. So we literally had to set guidelines and say, you sit on your bed. I think I said, you could, if you really need to, you can punch your pillow. If she really needs some outlet, I'm like, that's okay. But you're not going to destroy or throw anything. Then, once they have calmed down, because guys, there's no teachable moment in the middle of the tantrum, once it has started, once they've somewhat returned to normal, yes, you may talk about what the source of the, of the tantrum is, but more importantly, folks, you talk about what's going to happen the next time they make that decision. If you choose to act this way again, and you set the bar high, we may it be very clear in our home that if you try and do this again, here's what's going to happen. Not only would you get a consequence for what you did wrong, you're going to get a consequence for this tantrum, the way you did it as well. So um, it's not foolproof, but needless to say, it's really helped. I will tell you something that was really neat. Um, when we went through that season with Kelsey where she was just giving us fits, she went through a season where she was just hard-hearted. She was like, I'm not sorry and I don't care out of my six-year-old and this was so out of character for her and literally it got to where we were just giving her everything we could think of and we were just about at the end of our rope and I'll never forget Kyle and I decided to double team her and literally he was riding her just as hard as I was riding her and I remember Kyle sat down with her and he very clearly said if I have to come home from work to spank you and take care of this I will and he would have and so that was just right about the time that she started straightening up. <laughs> um, but again, it was that unified front working together that helped us so much there. So, um, And I will tell you one other quick thing. It's really good if you can put your agenda... And we all go shopping, and we all have running errands, and we have our agenda of things to accomplish. If you can put your accomplishing your agenda second to training your child's heart it will give you a much greater dividend in the long run. I mean, I finally got to the point where, okay, if I'm at Tom Thumb and my child is there when they're having a fit or acting ugly, I can leave my buggy through a groceries, take my child out to the car, and I can deal with her heart. Big deal if I have to order pizza that night. We can live without groceries for a day. But what I've said to my child and what I've trained in her is just irreplaceable. So that was my two cents there. Anything before closing? No.
Okay, a couple of things. Y'all can tell, man, Trisha does a great job as a mom. She's really thoughtful, and I mean, I, I just one of the best things I ever did was marry a teacher, man. I mean, it is great in our house. A biology teacher for the purity stuff help, helped as well. Yeah, he got off so easy. <laughs> I did get off easy. Um, but she really does. I mean, she thinks about this a lot and has spent a ton of time kind of thinking through this and just really fun and a privilege to watch her parent. And I get to come alongside and be a part of that. But again, ladies, y'all have 75% of the responsibility on this. But what I'd love to do here um, is kind of give you some of the, I think it's on the back page, kind of the appendix section, but just give you some of the content for by the time your kid gets ready to, to enter elementary school, here's what your kids need to know spiritually. So if you think about that chart that I had, drive time, morning time, night time, meal time, all that, here's some of the content that they need to know. And we're working on this, teachers back there, and we're working on the exact wording, but in every stage of a child's development, we're working on what are the four or five pillars that your pre-elementary kid needs to know, your early elementary kid needs to know, your late elementary, junior high, high school, so that we've got some kind of guide for how we direct our kids. And so we're working through that in children's ministry. But the first one is, God created me perfectly just the way I am. Mm-hmm. Drive that home all the time. Dads, tell your daughters they're beautiful. Okay? Often. I heard one time that uh, a daughter finds out um, how to be a woman from her mom, but that she is a woman from her dad. Okay? And so it is really important for dads and moms, but dads especially with daughters, to tell them how beautiful they are. And that's hard for dads sometimes to use that kind of language. Okay? And so it's really, really important. Second, God loves me. Really easy. Right? They no matter what. Know that no matter what they do, God loves them. So I role play in my head that my 17-year-old daughter might walk in at 3 o'clock in the morning on a morning and tell me she's pregnant. How am I going to respond okay, to that? How am, I gonna, am I going to just get up and throw some kind of stark raging fit? Or am I going to say, hey, I am so sorry. We'll work through this together over the course of these next months. So I role play those things with myself because I, I want to respond. But I want my kids to know that no matter what, God loves them and I and therefore I love them. And folks, we did it in um, Summit last week. Children get their identity of who their God is from their parents. Okay? And especially from their dad. Okay? And it is a huge thing. Okay? That they know that they're loved by their parents. Very, very important. Third thing, the Bible is always true all the time. Drive that home with your kids. I hope that as we train this next generation of great Christian leaders, that our kids know God's Word backwards and forwards. It's what we're shooting for. God is great and God is good. I used to pray that prayer and didn't know what I was thinking. And last week in Summit, we had a whole lesson on God is great and God is good. Right? God's sovereignty and God's goodness. Okay? Our kids need to know that God is in control, okay, and that He is good because He seeks them out for a personal relationship with His Son. Okay, really important. Great content. And then the last thing is Jesus wants to be my friend forever. Okay? And if you will drive those five points home with your kids, okay, even if you don't do anything else, if they walk out at pre-elementary with those five things, man, you have hit a home run. 
Okay, that important. And I will tell you right now, our girls are doing great. They have had missteps and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? Tomorrow, I may stand up in front of you and say, Baby, man, they're at the top of the slide and they're going downhill. There is no guarantee in parenting. Isn't that hey, scary? Hey, control freaks. Okay? <laughs> there is no guarantee in parenting. Okay? Mm-hmm. So it's why you pray. Okay? My biggest conviction right now is that concern is that we have trained our daughters, okay, to do the right thing and not to be in love with Christ. And to do the right thing because they love Jesus, not because it's the right thing. Okay. And I don't know how to do that other than to ask God to help their heart engage. Because we've got to set boundaries to modify their behavior, right? I can't make their heart engage in those things. That's God's job. Okay, and we have very good friends who Trisha and I would both say are much better parents than we are. They're fabulous. They raised a great kid, Christian school all the way through, went to a Christian college, okay, and, and then blew it from a purity standpoint. Okay, and her parents are looking back, and we had breakfast with them a while back, and they just said, you know what? We gave her all the right things to do, but her heart never engaged with Christ. And she's a believer, but there was no Strong believer. passion or anything like that that carried through some of those hard decisions. And so, folks, that scares me to death. Okay? That Trish and I can, and we're not, but we can do all the right things, okay? And our kid may choose to walk away from Christ. And I can't control that. Okay? So pray like crazy, okay, that your kid's heart will engage with Jesus. So important. We all do that. Dads that are here, husbands that aren't, man, please take the lead in praying for your kids. And I, I, my model, just to tell you, I, I, I'm kind of hyperactive, and so I kind of walk and pray a little bit is what, is what I usually do. But I kind of use Jesus' model that he used in John 17, where he prayed for himself first as he was going to the cross. He prayed that he'd have courage to do the right thing, the thing that God wanted him to do. Then he prayed for the 12 disciples. I kind of use that. I pray for my family. During that time, and so here's here's my disciples right here, Kelsey, Caden, Kendall, Trish, are my disciples. And then he prayed for all the folks that would come to believe in Christ through those twelve disciples. And so I pray for everybody else. And so that's kind of how I pray. But I pray for every kid individually, almost. Every day. I can't say every day, but almost every day. But my kids know when I'm going out to go walking that, that I'm praying for them. And I ask them all the time, Hey, how can I pray for you today? What does that look like? I'm praying for your test. All that kind of stuff. So I can't cause their heart to engage with Jesus. I just can't. I can't do all the right things to make that happen. Okay. Last thing you need to hear from me, God's grace covers a multitude of parenting mistakes. Mm-hmm. Okay? Take care. Raise your hand and tell me you heard it. Okay? <laughs> God's grace covers a multitude of parenting mistakes. You are not going to do this perfectly. Okay? And God loves your kids more than you do. It's so hard for us to get our hands on And so when hard things happen and all that, it's just hard for us. But we've got, we've got to remember God's in control and He loves our kids more than we do. You know, on the very same note, I hope it will encourage you to know that God is the one who chose you to be a mother or a father, regardless of whether it's an adopted child, natural child, whatever. You're in that position for a reason. And he's not going to leave you hanging out to dry. He's going to give you what you need, 
when you need it and probably not a, a bit before. We laugh because when... Um, Ours were younger, you know, we had that baby spit up thing all the time, and, and you know, I, it used to just not even phase me, you know, and now I'm around it, and oh my gosh, I almost lose my stomach every time, so he gives it, but then he takes it away later on, um, but you know your child better than anyone, and so consequently, you know the best way to shape their hearts, you know what sings their song, makes them happy, you know what will be meaningful in terms of consequences, but in the midst of it, you are going to be stretched. It is hard work, but God will give you what you need when you need it. Hang on to that. Um, Kyle and I have the same theme going. Can you hear? Pray. <laughs> Pray for your kids. Pray for yourself. Pray for your spouse. Pray for anyone who has a teenager because we all need that. Um, but guys, enjoy them. They grow up way, way, way too fast. Chase them around the table. Tickle them. Do everything you can because pretty soon they're going to be out that door. So, um, Holly, how are we on time? Do we have time for questions? If you all have questions or just things you just want to chat about, throw it out there. And just so you know, everything goes, okay? I'm not afraid to talk about anything. So a couple That's of true. Yep. Far back. Can you repeat the question? Sure. I have a 19-month-old boy, and we just have a, another son who's three months now, and he's definitely been doing the whole, you know, hitting that whole thing. And we've been spanking him probably since he was 15 months because he was just an early, active, willful oh. child. I, uh, he, he's not very verbal yet in the sense that he understands a lot, but I don't know how that would work with him to say, what did you do wrong? And that kind of stuff, like during the actual spanking session, I've been trying really hard to follow through, you know, pray after and and let them know that I love them. But how does that look for someone, like for a child who's that young but who isn't able to say, I am sorry for... Do you, want to you know, but you can really clarify what they did wrong. Did you hit when you weren't supposed to? Mm-hmm. Could you have done something different? Mm-hmm. And if they can't say what they could have done different, you can make it a yes-no question. Could you have used your words instead? Whatever your alternatives are. Say, could you have done blank, blank, blank instead? And if nothing else, you'll get a mm-hmm. And when they say, I'm sorry, you still say four. And if nothing else, you can say hitting. Okay, I mean, keep it as simple as you need to, and and if nothing else, he can say forgive, kind of like with a little question mark on the end. And so we're not using a ton of words, but we're starting to get the process going. And I would say even before he can talk, the, the spanking sends the message, right, and the hug communicates the reconciliation. Yeah. And so I would just say what you do physically with your child, even if they can't communicate, does communicate. Okay. The red shirt over here. Um, with the line thing, imagination, you're saying no stories if they start to bend the truth a little bit. Like, I feel like my daughter's definitely in the imagination stage, and she'll tell me stories about things. And I'm like, oh, do I need to be spanking for that, too? Like, anytime she lies, I spank her. No, no, uh, but you say stories, is that just having fun? I'm well, I don't know. That's what you said. So I was curious as to what you're saying. Um, like, she'll come out and she'll you be know, like, there probably... was a giant in my room. And do I need to be like, no, there wasn't a giant in your room. Tell me the truth. So, I, I Pretending is fine. <laughs> Pretending yeah, is fine. Imagination is great. But, but make sure you call it that, you know. Say, are you just pretending, yeah. you know. Uh, define it, and then the hard thing is, you know, you look what you're looking for, and this is never as clear as it sounds when I say it, but you're looking for rebellion on the lot, right? Are they trying to get out? Or be sneaky and deceptive. Are they, yeah, exactly right. So that's what you're looking for. So thank you for clarifying, because we would have had a bunch of 
messed up kids. I <laughs> <laughs> right wait, she took your mic. Sorry, I'll let her do it. I have another question along the same lines as the honesty. Um, my husband and I are currently trying to figure out what to do about Santa and the Easter Bunny. If you are, if you require honesty from them at all times, then where do you? Where does Santa fall on that? I'll tell you where we came, and I'll tell you that Wagner's in a different spot. Okay, so just so you know, we've talked about this. We decided not to talk about Santa, Easter Bunny, all that kind of stuff. We just told him, hey, it's a fun thing for us to do. I mean, I mean, it's a fun deal. Other people are going to celebrate. But we were very clear from the start that he is not real. We okay. told him the truth. Do I? And so we told him the truth. And I've, I've got a little bit of baggage on that. I had a young life kid. Um, come back to me one time and say, after they, she heard about Christ, she just said, you know, my parents told me about Santa and the Easter Bunny, and that wasn't real, and I don't think Jesus is real either. So, and that's baggage. Look, that's a one isolated incident, right, that I can just take and put into this conversation. But we felt pretty strongly that we could tell them, hey, it's okay for folks to do. Yeah. We're, and we, we, we role-played, okay, and it happened every year, the latest target. Okay? What's Santa going to bring you for Christmas? Okay? And we just taught our girls to say, well, we didn't go into the conversation right there. We just said, oh, I hope I get da 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 And we just played it. But we role-played those conversations because we got it all the time. And you know what? We had to make... Do I? There was never a from Santa. Never. never a from Santa. And it drove my mom berserk. Didn't bother us, she but... hated it. I know. I mean, you're going to... Because Christmas was such a part of our life growing up, right? And it just drove her crazy. And it was just one of those places we said, Mom, we're the parents. You got to do it with me. We get to do it with our kids. And we made traditions that were fun and neat that they loved, but they weren't the exact same traditions that we grew up with. Um, and one thing, if you don't do... If you tell the truth about Santa and Easter Bunny, you have to make them swear up and down not to tell the other children. You don't want them spoiling it for everyone else. You have to tell them what to say when those things come up. Okay. okay, I actually have three questions, but I'll, I'll do the most important. Um, how do I keep my son in timeout? He, he's two and a half, and I put him in timeout, mm-hmm. and he runs after me crying. Or he's trying to hold on to me, and if I let go, he's going to fall. Mm-hmm. I... Re- I would recommend a child restrainment device. Now, that sounds silly, but typically it depends what you have available for us. We used the crib for a long time. Now, I know when they're at, can he climb out already? He's, he's in a big boy bed. He's in a big boy bed. Um, that's hey, a good can question. Can I ask you a personal question? Do you all spank? Yes. You do? Well, not for every... Well, this is going to help because we're trying to determine what, what requires a spanking, right. what requires timeout, and honestly, nothing works for okay. that. And you know what? Getting out of getting out of timeout would bring its own consequence as far as I'm concerned. If you took one... Not- like if you're sitting in a chair or whatever, like you take one step off of that bed or out of that chair, and now you've got a consequence for that on top of, and it'll be a different top consequence. But we did. We did. There were times... I know you think we beat our children. Okay, <laughs> we're just going to walk away. No. That's what's going to happen. But there were times that we had double, double, so a, a normal spanking for us, okay, was three wax with Buster on the on the bottom, okay, is what we did. But there were times, okay, if we said meet us in the back because you're going to get a spanking, if they ran the other way, they got a double. They knew that they were going to get two. Okay. Meaning two separate two sets of three. Okay. Okay. Oh. I'll be real specific, and I know you think we beat our children. Okay, But that's what we did, and so Trisha was so right when she just said, hey, the lines have got to be firm on that stuff. So if you were asking me, I would say that 
disobedience or rebellion from what you've told is worthy of a spanking. At two and a half especially. Because mm-hmm. so you are the authority and you're telling him to stay in that chair or on that bed or whatever. Okay. Can I ask one more quick question? Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a one-year-old uh-huh. and we're having problems with my son staying at the, at the table to eat supper. He's not in a booster chair or anything. Uh-huh. And we've kind of gotten this habit of saying, Trip, if you don't eat your chicken nuggets, we're going to give them to Mally. Is that kind of pitting them against each other? That's what I'm afraid of. Okay? I would recommend And it's kind of a competition. That. You know, yeah. like, ooh, if you don't, then she gets to. And I don't want to start that. No, especially with food. Be okay. real careful. I can't get him to eat anything. So I, w- I would try a different technique. I've got some good ideas for okay. you. I'll tell you later. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Wherever she goes, sorry. Okay, this, this might have already kind of been covered when she was talking when um basically my son is has cochlear implants and he's been hearing for like a little over a year um and now he's but he's clearly two and a half um in the way he acts but he doesn't communicate everything yet speech wise and when we're in the store like target um he's found the acoustics to be very interesting (laughs) and so um he screams the whole time and i literally had an, an older lady an elderly lady come up and say you stop doing that and i obviously know that i was out of not doing well in my area I don't know what to do with it I am so overwhelmed by it but I don't want to leave and give him the impression that if he does that we can leave the store like I don't want to give him that impression if that's what he wants right I love what Trisha said is that you've got a different grid Right, probably than most right. folks in the room. And so Grace always wins. Okay? <laughs> and, and what I mean by that, again, the key is, and, and it's not as clear, but the, the discernment piece here is watch rebellion. Okay, what is it where he wants?